Hi, and welcome to AGM Watch, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. Coming up on the 13th of October 2020 is the Commonwealth Bank AGM. Our company monitor is Lewis Gomes. Hello, Lewis. Good morning, Phil. How are you? Very good, thank you. Okay, so uh, let's get on to the Commonwealth Bank. How's everything looking with our biggest, our biggest money box? Well, it's been a challenging time for the Commonwealth Bank, as indeed it has been for all of the banks. Everybody is well aware of the uh, problems that have arisen as a result of COVID with people looking to uh, defer loans, a number of many small businesses under stress, many households under stress because they've either lost their jobs or lost significant working hours. So clearly that all impacts on the bank, which their main business, of course, is lending money to people. And uh, those people need to pay interest and they need to eventually pay the loan back. So that that's the uh, the fundamental challenge they have. Uh, if we go back a couple of years, of course, all the banks are still dealing with uh, the outcome of the Hain Royal Commission into the financial industry. Some people saw that as an investigation of bad behaviour within banks. It had actually a much broader remit. And uh, as we saw from the Royal Commission, most of the problems were actually in wealth management, more so than in banking. And uh, we've seen all the banks and Commonwealth Bank in particular move fairly quickly out of wealth management and back to a more simplified banking business model. I think it's fair to say Commonwealth Bank has been ahead of the pack in this regard. Uh, Perhaps they were the ones that first felt the heat of the fire with the Austrac allegations, the the non-reporting of international financial transactions, and that, of course, brought them a $700 million fine from Austrac some years ago. And apart from the obvious direct consequences of that that fine, it uh, prompted a significant change in the board. We have a new chairman, Catherine Livingston, who replaced David Turner. We have a new CEO in Matt Common, who replaced Ian Narev. There's been uh, significant changes at board level and more to come. And it's really evident to us at the ASA that you know, while we have some concerns and reservations about some of the things the Commonwealth Bank is doing or, or is not doing, they are really showing leadership uh, in a very difficult time. And particularly the CEO and the, the chair lady, Catherine Livingston, I think have shown terrific leadership in recent years to try and get the business back on track. Can you tell us about some of those reservations that you may have or that the association may have? Well, the problem I think fundamentally is where to from here for the banks and for the Commonwealth Bank in particular. They're still carrying a lot of deferred loans. The number of deferred loans and the value of those loans has reduced in recent months, but it's still significant numbers there. And the next few months, as the government pulls back job keeper and job seeker, we'll start to see just how many of these deferred loans can be resumed. The bank is confident that most of them will be, but there's about 10% of their loan book, a bit less than 10% that's currently uh, got deferrals. Now, even if only a small percentage of those eventually fail, it'll still be a significant problem. Uh, The other problem I think shareholders have is where are the growth prospects for banks? We know the market's taking a, a, a huge liking to companies that have growth prospects, even if they don't have profit prospects at the moment. And people just don't see banks as, as being in that growth market anymore. And that's probably a, a fair comment. You know, they're retreating 
They've spent a lot of money buying wealth businesses and many other non-bank businesses, and, and they're now getting rid of them all and trying to get back to what they used to do. So I think finding growth in the future, adapting to technological changes, particularly the way people, as we talked about before, the way people behave now, the way they don't travel as much as they did, the way they shop online, they like to do their banking online. There's a lot of competition coming from small fintechs, as they're often called, people providing financial services, but only over the internet. I think Commonwealth Bank is responding well to those technological challenges. It has led the way of the major banks in investing in technology. We've seen huge problems, for example, with Westpac and other banks with their technological systems letting them down very badly. Because they have a lot of um, they have a lot of legacy systems, don't they? A lot of the well, the this has banks. been part of the problem with yeah. with years and years of acquisitions. You end mm-hmm. up with all these legacy systems, and that's particularly the case in Westpac. Mm-hmm. still running IT systems that go back to the days of the St. George Bank. Now, Commonwealth Bank has moved well beyond those issues, so I think it's seen as a technological leader. Mm. Nevertheless, it needs to keep its foot on the accelerator in that regard because there's a lot of competition out there. I have heard it said as well that most of the fintech's business model is to end up being bought out by one of the big banks anyway. That's a view that has certainly some currency. Many of these small outfits have very thin capitalization, mm. very thin, if any, profitability, and uh, they're really disruptors more so than um, a traditional business that most of our members would prefer to invest in. Although we do have members who are very good at investing in a lot of these startup companies and have done extremely well. So uh, good luck to them. Yeah, disruptors with good marketing departments. Uh, perhaps, yes, <laughs> yes. And with the banks, traditionally, a lot of their revenue has gone straight to dividends rather than into investing internally. And do you see that that this is going to have to change in the future? Well, I think they're caught between the need to maintain a strong dividend flow for their shareholders. You've got to remember Commonwealth Bank and probably Telstra are the two most widely held companies on this Australian Stock Exchange. There are many mum and dad investors in the Commonwealth Bank and indeed all of the banks because it's been seen as such a reliable investment for so many years. So there will always be pressure on the Commonwealth Bank and indeed other banks to maintain a strong dividend flow because they also need to keep reinvesting in their business. And I think Commonwealth Bank has a reasonable balance. I mean, obviously, this most recent uh, dividend was reduced under effectively direction from APRA. I think the Commonwealth Bank could have actually paid a comparable dividend to last year, which would have been $2.30 thereabouts. They paid, I think, $0.98. But their interim dividend was a full $2 as the previous year. So uh, even with high dividends, they are a tremendous cash-generating machine and they still have plenty of financial resources to invest in technology. I, I think one of the things that shareholders get concerned about is when they go out and buy other businesses or buy parts of businesses and shareholders wonder if that is money well spent given the track record of many of these acquisitions has been very poor. You know, a relevant example with the Commonwealth Bank is it uh, recently bought 5% of a um, European-based buy now, pay later outfit called Klarna, which I must admit I'd never heard of. It claims to have a worldwide bank of retailers around 85 million 
users, I'm told. But we, we know very little about the profitability of Klarna. Commonwealth Bank paid 300 million US dollars, that's real dollars, for 5%. So that puts a pretty hefty valuation on Klarna. Is Klarna worth that much? I have no idea. Will Klarna get much of a take-up in Australia? Don't know. You know, we all know the story about Afterpay, which has been a tremendous success story in terms of growth. Still doesn't make a profit and may never make a profit. And maybe to come to your point, maybe they're looking for someone to buy them out. And I think the chaps who started Afterpay are already billionaires. <laughs> be even... And I think they've even cashed in some of their chips as well, <laughs> quite extensively. Uh, quite, quite possibly. So... You know, there, there will be questions, and in fact, the ASA will be asking a question at the AGM next week in relation to Klarna, because it's, it's just not evident to us as to whether it's a good investment or not. I guess you've got to give these things a go. Mm-hmm. You can't sit there and do nothing, but is it the right move for Commonwealth Bank? We're not sure. Okay. Are there any other questions that the association will be asking at the AGM? Well, there are a, a number there. A couple of general concern to members and many other retail investors was the bank didn't issue a notice of meeting in hard copy, posted version. Uh, you had to download it. That's fine for many of us, but it's not so fine for, for many others, particularly elderly people. So we're just making that point that who knows what happens next year with coronavirus and whether we still have uh, virtual AGMs. But we will be asking uh, CBA, particularly given the wide shareholder base they have to resume posting of important documents like notices of meeting. I mean, I printed mine off, but it's over 20 pages and it's a nuisance. Yep. On the directors, I mentioned before, there's been quite a turnover of directors for obvious reasons. David Higgins retired at the end of last year. Wendy Stopes will be retiring at this AGM. We have two directors up for election or one's for re-election who is Rob Whitfield. Rob had a very long history with Westpac Bank so he's he's a banker through and through uh, and he's also had a lot of uh, solid public sector financial experience with uh, New South Wales Treasury. So we see him as a very valued uh, resource on the board. However, he has a very low shareholding and one of the questions we put to uh, Commonwealth Bank at our pre-AGM meeting was why his shareholding so low. We were given reasons, but we've asked the question again at the AGM so that the broader shareholder base can get an understanding of what the issues are there with Rob. We have a new director, Simon Muta, who is a bit of an unknown. He comes from New Zealand. He was managing director of Spark in New Zealand Telecom. Uh, he's also been CEO of Auckland Airport, so he's got quite a diverse background. He's, he's an engineer, nothing wrong with that. I'm an engineer, but we're told he has extensive leadership experience in technology, process effectiveness, business strategy and change management. So I think he's been brought in, obviously not with so much banking experience, but more with transformation experience and a particular focus on customer experience. So uh, because he's really unknown, we're asking the chairman to allow Mr. Muta to explain specifically what he believes he can bring to the business. 
We know shareholders are very keen to hear directly from directors who are up for election or re-election. Historically, we've just been given pro forma CVs or experience summaries, which don't really tell us what particular benefits they bring to the business. So um, there's a focus on that. There is, of course, the remuneration report. That's been a matter for quite some debate. If we just look at the FY20, the year just gone, and just to show you how things have changed, the CEO's salary for FY20, this is actual paid salary, was $3.9 million. If we go back to 2016, well before the current CEO, the CEO then received $12.3 million. Oh, a bit of a pay cut. The pay, actual paid salary, and, and that comprises fixed pay, short-term incentive, uh, either as cash or shares, and then any shares that have uh, vested from long-term awards in past years. So the salaries have come down significantly. And in fact, the long-term incentive payments have been very few and far between, mainly because of the falling share price of banks, because most of their long-term is based on uh, total shareholder return or relative total shareholder return. And when you've got a falling share price, it's pretty hard to make that number positive. So again, that 3.9 million, you can compare that under the CEO remuneration framework at the so-called target level, he could have earned 8.36 million. So he's earned actually less than half his target. And a lot of people would say, well, the target is what he might expect to earn. And the maximum opportunity was about nine and a half million. So, you know, while we might say, well, 3.9 million is a lot to be paid in the world of, uh, of banking and international banking, you've got to remember Commonwealth Bank is one of the most successful and profitable banks on the planet, not just within Australia. I think we get value for money from Matt Common. They have changed their remuneration framework for the current financial year. And that has been a matter of quite some contention because uh, while they've reduced the long-term incentive, they have split that into two and half of that long-term incentive is really just a retention payment. It's, it's a deferred retention payment. It's not subject to any metric hurdles like total shareholder return or earnings per share growth or return on capital invested. It's purely for sticking around. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of shareholders and a lot of proxy advisors have a problem with that as a concept, as we do. But we looked at the total package for FY21, the target remuneration and maximum opportunity have been significantly reduced. We think the turnaround story within Commonwealth Bank is very strong. We think their, their cultural rebuild has been very strong. Their financial return in a very difficult environment has actually been quite good. And we felt looking at the total picture, while we don't like this 50% of the long term that, that is really there as a retention, we, we think looking at the total package, the total performance that we should support the remuneration report. We know at least one significant proxy advisor has recommended voting against that. The other two major proxy advisors have recommending voting for the remuneration report. So we don't look to see whether we're with the, the majority or the minority. We, we look at it from our point of view. I know from discussions with various members of the ASA, there, there's a divergence of views on this matter. Some are opposed, some are for. So it puts 
us as the, if you like, the authors of the, the voting intentions in a sometimes a difficult position as to which way should we go. But this is not unusual and we're seeing more companies moving towards deferred equity as a long-term incentive. So I think there's many companies looking to change their long-term incentive arrangements. We've had a recent case with Origin Energy and there will be other companies as well. So I think this is an ongoing issue for ASA um, to deal with on a company-by-company basis. And there's a special resolution coming up at this AGM that you'd like to discuss. Yes, it, it's been uh, uh, requested by a number of members uh, to amend the, the company's constitution. And these sort of resolutions pop up quite commonly these days at AGMs. It's to do with the Commonwealth Bank's participation in a Commonwealth government initiative known as the Business Growth Fund, which seeks to provide loans to small and medium businesses. Now, this group who's proposed this resolution, as I understand it, looks to arrange equity and equity raisings for businesses in this sector. And they've sought to have the constitution of the Commonwealth Bank changed to put various uh, restrictions on the operation of of that uh, initiative by the Commonwealth Bank now. Our view is that it's not really an appropriate uh, matter for embedding in the constitution. It's, It's really an operational issue and we don't think that the constitution is the right place for this particular matter to be addressed. The Commonwealth Bank is a strong supporter of the SME market and it's an important initiative for both lenders and equity raisers to support the SME sector. So we don't see a particularly strong case for this resolution, but even if we did, we, we feel there are better ways of achieving it than changing the constitution. So we'll be recommending a vote against this resolution. Lewis, thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you, Phil. It's been a, a pleasure joining you. 